Welcome to the World Soccer Talk podcast. I am Christopher Harris, the gaffer, and I'm joined today, yet again, by uh, Kartik Krishnaya. Kartik, how are things in the uh, Fort Lauderdale Coral Springs area? They are fine. A lot of, uh, lot, lot of shock about uh, some soccer developments in the last, uh, last few days, but we'll get into that. Yeah, definitely. So, so World Soccer Talk uh, podcast, for those of you who have, uh, haven't had a chance to listen, it's the only show out there that talks about watching soccer on TV, online, and via apps. And uh, we take a close look at uh, the way that soccer is covered on television, um, online, and, and, and streaming, etc. And, and Kartik, last episode, we talked about um, the U.S. men's national team and, and how we thought that uh, Jurgen Klinsmann, whether people liked him as a coach or, or not, was having some uh, negative impacts, uh, m- most uh, importantly on uh, TV ratings, uh, attendance numbers, and also we, um, we assumed, too, that there was some pressure probably from, from some of the sponsors in terms of some of these negative results and some of that uh, impact that that was having on, on their brands. And lo and behold, Sunil Galati makes a decision uh, yesterday, which was announced on, on Monday, to, to sack uh, Jürgen Klinsmann. What are your initial thoughts about uh, the uh, the news? Yeah, I think I think it was overdue. Quite frankly, I mean, I think he's been uh, a spent article, a spent force for eighteen months now. The results have not just been bad in a recent context for the United States; they've been bad in a historical context. Worst qualifying loss since nineteen fifty-seven. First loss on home soil to Mexico in a qualifier since nineteen seventy-two. First time ever losing to a Caribbean nation in a Gold Cup. Uh, first time. Uh, the U.S. was outshot in all three group stage games in a Gold Cup, and that was to Honduras, Haiti, and Panama. It wasn't to uh, the titans of world football. So I think this has been coming for a long time. Uh, that having been said, I find the somewhat curious. Uh, sandwiched in between a um, a feature on 60 Minutes about the U.S. women's national team and their um, their disaster pay and a new collective bargaining agreement with U.S. soccer. Uh, Studio Galati refused to be interviewed for that feature on 60 Minutes, so that was beamed to homes across the United States, one of the top-rated programs uh, in the country, the top-rated news program in the country. Uh, For those of you listening in Britain, it's like Panorama, uh, at least in terms of its scope, its its viewership. So that was Sunday night, and then Tuesday night, we know Brian Gumbel uh, over at Sports on HBO was doing a feature on the USSF and Chuck Blazer. So... The sacking coming on a Monday in between the two, to me, is quite surprising. Not not surprising. I think the sacking was long overdue. I support the sacking. I think Klinsman, uh, the people who supported Jurgen Klinsman were in love with the idea of what they thought Jurgen Klinsman was. I don't think anyone who objectively watches football could could think that he is a good manager, has done a good job of man management or tactical management of this national team. And he's also a a master at deflection, a master at throwing his players under the bus, that sort of thing. But to me, the timing is a little bit. Why wasn't this done late last week? Why wasn't it done later this week? I think it's because of those two uh, two uh, television related uh, investigative reports that uh, I, I mentioned. Possibly, possibly, and we should note to, to listeners too that so at, at the time of this recording, it's uh, Tuesday morning, so uh, we haven't seen the HBO documentary yet on Real Sports, um, which which is supposed to be mostly on Chuck Blazer, but it does kind of look at his at his uh, 
his path all the way from starting out as a youth soccer coach, Chuck Blazer, uh, through the USSF um, as, uh, I think, executive vice president, working all his way up into CONCACAF and, and FIFA. Uh, that shall be, we'll have to wait and see what happens uh, during that documentary, how, uh, how detailed they get. It's probably going to be a shorter segment. It's not going to be the full hour. So it may only be about, say, 10 to 15 minutes. Um, and has an interview with, uh, I believe, his fiance or his girlfriend. Um, so we shall see. But th but the other thing too. So about Klinsman, we'll get more into this a little bit later, because uh, both Kartik and I looked at uh, the way that the, the Klinsman uh, sacking was uh, covered by uh, the U.S. soccer media, specifically uh, television. And uh, we'll take a look and see kind of who who kind of uh, did the best job and who kind of. Uh, failed in that regard and some of the uh, some of the issues that we have uh, as a soccer viewing public in the United States. So Kartik, let's move on to uh, the first segment and that's uh, what we've been watching uh, this past week. Uh, the, I'll, I'll start off and talk about uh, the match I watched on Friday which is the Bundesliga game between uh, Bayer Leverkusen and RB Leipzig and this was a really entertaining match for, for anyone who missed it. It was uh, within I think four minutes there were two goals and uh, Leverkusen scored first, Leipzig came back, and it was really an end-to-end -end, uh, game, back and forth, just great action, uh, a great spectacle to watch, and uh, Leipzig eventually won the match 3-2 late on. Uh, but from a TV perspective, from a kind of a soccer media perspective, um, Keith Costigan uh, uh, had the commentary. He was doing a solo commentary, and I really thought that he did a fantastic job. Um, sometimes it's really difficult to do a solo commentary. Uh, we've heard them before on FA Cup matches where you have like, usually kind of one commentator doing the entire match rather than kind of your commentator and co-commentator. But uh, Bacostin did a great job, and I think it's one of those, he's one of those unsung heroes at Fox Sports. You don't hear him that much about, but uh, somebody who puts in hard work week in, week out, and uh, definitely knows his stuff. Yeah, he certainly does, and I, and I think uh, he's becoming more and more comfortable with the Bundesliga and well versed in the Bundesliga. As Fox is now in, in year two of their uh, of their um, package rights package, global rights package with the Bundesliga, which the American Fox uh, News Corp affiliate here of Fox is showing. Uh, Red Bull Leipzig, obviously RB Leipzig, excuse me, RB Leipzig, one of the stories of. Uh, of the year in world football, and it's something to explore in another show or uh, article. RB Leipzig, I think, uh, it typifies and embodies all the contradictions in world football right now, both bad and good. Some of my concerns about exploitation, corporate exploitation of clubs, uh, you can see in RB Leipzig, but that at the same time, the only way a team from the old East Germany in the kind of economic condition that region is in can compete uh, is to have a sugar daddy come in and do what Red Bull has done with Leipzig. And then, uh, of course, there is also the great story because it is Leipzig and it is East Germany, the former East Germany, where teams have not been competitive since reunification in 1990 and have been even less competitive in the last decade. So there are all these inherent contradictions, and that's just scratching the surface, uh, that conflict me when I watch RB Leipzig. Am I, should I support them? Should I support those fans uh, in Leipzig who've never had top flight football and now have this dynamic team and have seen uh, a team, a manufactured team, a team that's younger than most teams in Major League Soccer, in fact, uh, climb the ranks like this? Or should I be opposed to it because it's a corporate club and they've exploited the system uh, so much? And so 
I have to admit, Chris, I'm fascinated by RB Leipzig. I'm, I'm following them very closely for all these reasons. I'm not a fan, but there's a lot, uh, a lot to study in them. Yeah, definitely. And I think it's one of those things that uh, people take different things from, from games. So, so for me personally, I'm just watching it for just the pure enjoyment of watching just great football. Um, but there's definitely the political aspect and there's definitely kind of the, uh, the business side of things. Um, that one, I'm, for this particular story, I'm tending to uh, ignore. But I, I really enjoyed the match. It was, it was a great match to watch. Um, how about you, Kartik? What have you been watching this, uh, this past week? Well, I uh, watched, obviously, the Premier League, the West Ham Spurs game. I thought uh, NBC did a knock-up job in, in another London derby. The big, uh, the big question mark now uh, is about West Ham and just that entire club and the drift of that club. But uh, Arlo White, uh, Lee Dixon, Graham Wilson, uh, they all did a, a very credible job. And then when you look at, um, at how NBC Studio was uh, structured this weekend, Kyle Martino is back. Uh, from from his uh, he's now a daddy and Robbie Musto uh, some very good points they were on point it was probably one of their better weekends in the studio this weekend uh, also watched uh, Robbie Earl's uh, uh, documentary or uh, uh, a Premier League download on Claudio Ranieri again it, it, they aired it again and it was uh, it really is fascinating I, I think they did such a good job with uh, exploring Ranieri's mind and his thought process and how he makes decisions. Uh, it wasn't just, hey, here was Lester. It was a great story. They won the title uh, type of thing. And Ranieri, who would be the nearly man, who had had second-place finishes in four different leagues, he won a title. There was a lot more in-depth to it. It was um, it was a lot like kind of a, a television version for me of Alex Ferguson's book Leading, which he put out a year, year and a half ago, which is a lot of uh, life lessons and – uh, business lessons and leadership lessons from football management. It wasn't a book about football per se, and I, and I got a lot from this Rainieri documentary. So uh, th- th- those are two of the things I've been watching uh, this weekend. Yeah, for me, it was a weekend. Actually, um, my kids had AYSO and travel games, so I didn't get a chance to watch much uh, Premier League matches except for a little bit here and a little bit there. But I did watch uh, the Milan, Milan derby. Uh, another great game, uh, Inter Milan and, and AC Milan, and uh, some great commentary too by Andres Cordero and Matteo Bonetti. And I, th- I think both of those, as a partnership, um, continue to improve. Um, and uh, I thought they did a great job with the commentary, and I thought they brought a lot to the game in terms of kind of the knowledge, uh, Bonetti especially in terms of uh, kind of uh, the, the game, the players, etc. And uh, again, a great ending to the game. Um, and, and uh, thoroughly entertaining. Yeah, uh, that was a uh, that was a great game, especially considering the Milan derby has lost a lot of its luster recently, with yeah. both sides struggling. And uh, also the uh, the farewell tribute to Berlusconi, um, if it is in fact farewell, was uh, was I thought pretty touching, even though he's far from my <laughs> favorite person or the favorites of most people I suspect who are listening. Um, I also watched Chris, and I know we might get deeper into this as we talk about the Jurgen Klinsmann issue. I also watched uh, the 60 Minutes feature with the U.S. Women's National Team with great interest and, and found, um, found it to be very compelling. A- at the same time, uh, it's an incomplete picture because Sunil Gulati, ref- uh, the president of the, United States, uh, of the United States Soccer Federation, refused to be interviewed uh, and interviewed on camera for the feature. So uh, it, it wasn't meant to be a slanted piece, but it, it, it somewhat came off that way, even though there were some very hard questions that 60 Minutes do, does ask. And then the other thing I watched this week was all the Klinsman coverage, and we'll get to that later in the show. 
Yeah, and, and last but not least, I watched the uh, Madrid derby, um, Atleti against Real Madrid. Um, Atleti was completely out, uh, outclassed in this one. Um, I mean, Real, Real Madrid was absolutely incredible. Just uh, some of the some of the players they scored from, and um, and again, great. I, I love Phil Shane. I, lo- I love Ray Hudson, and I thought they were great uh, together uh, doing the commentary. So, Kartik, uh, let's move on to the next segment, which is uh, TV streaming news. And uh, I'll go first. And, th- and that's um, this is actually not brand new news, but I do have some additional information to add to it. So, recently, um, or actually currently, the FA Cup um, TV rights and streaming rights are up for bidding uh, overseas, uh, overseas being outside the United, St- the United Kingdom. And that's something that's happening right now is that uh, just uh, several weeks ago is that IMG, uh, which is kind of a a large media company, they went ahead and bought the rights from the FA, the Football Association in England, for $1 billion. So they have the rights now, IMG, to go ahead and shop the uh, FA Cup around the world, uh, which includes the United States. So right now, Fox Sports has the rights to it. Uh, from what I understand, Fox Sports is trying to renew those rights and uh, through IMG to continue showing uh, the FA Cup for uh, a, a few more years. With that, of course, there's probably going to be some other bidders um, in this process. And I would imagine that NBC Sports would be one of those because to me, the FA Cup is a, a perfect uh, complement to Premier League coverage. I mean, throughout the entire calendar, there are a few weeks in the calendar where there's there's no Premier League games, and that's usually because of FA Cup matches, usually third round in early January, etc. So I would imagine that NBC Sports would put in, a, in a, a good bid for this one. I'll be curious to see how the rights change, if at all, in terms of how the FA Cup, FA Cup is covered. Because to me, the FA Cup is still a little bit in the Stone Age in terms of television, um, not every game has um, TV coverage. Um, the FA Cup, to me, is really missing kind of a whip-around uh, show, especially in the third round, to be able to kind of go from ground to ground to ground to see kind of uh, all the goals going in from, like, some of these non-league teams. Um, so so it'll be interesting to see if IMGs and, and the FA are able to kind of work a better, offer a better package, and it'll be interesting to see if Fox does renew the rights or if NBC Sports or somebody else uh, does go in and, and try to uh, take them uh, away from Fox. Yeah, that's a that's a very good question and a very curious. Uh, it's going to be very curious to see how this plays out because I think the FA Cup fits NBC better, both in terms of their coverage of English football and also the fact that they have programming slots open. There's been a lot of frustration expressed by fans of the of. Uh, the English game here in the U.S. who love the third round of the FA Cup and love the replays and love the fourth round, that too many of the games have been dumped to Fox Sports 2 or Fox Soccer Plus, and that uh, because of college basketball season and whatever other programming commitments Fox Sports has, that the games tend to be bumped, and and there doesn't seem to be a high priority on the tournament. That having been said, in the later rounds, Fox does a pretty good job when you get to the semifinals and the finals. They do a very good job of of covering the FA Cup. It's just that third round, which for junkies, and I don't know if it's just a small niche. It might be. But those junkies are dissatisfied with the way Fox covers uh, third and fourth round of the FA Cup. So that's uh, that's a big question. The other question, honestly, though, is will the cup itself be reformed? Uh, will there be replays that are will there be an elimination of replays at some at some earlier stages? Uh, there's that that's always in play. And will there be uh, uh, 
an effort made by the Football League and the Premier League, but it seems like the Football League is taking the lead on this, to uh, push the FA Cup into, into becoming midweek games, midweek fixtures, midweek ties, just like the League Cup. And if that's the case, because the Football League is losing a couple weekends a year and they're trying to cram a 46-game schedule into a defined calendar, which begins the first weekend of August and ends at the end of April or the first week of May. Remember, they have playoffs after that in the Football League. So they have to end a little earlier than the Premier League. They, uh, they're trying to fit eight more games, league games than the Premier League is in roughly the same period. Uh, there is some talk that the Football League, not some talk, there's some, there's intense talk that the Football League is going to try and push the FA to move the FA Cup dates. Um, or if they take a winter break, that third round of the FA Cup goes bye-bye till another day. Uh, so all of that's on the table and the television rights are hanging out there at the same time as this. Yeah, yeah, lots, lots of implications in terms of uh, how this may change or, or how it may stay the same. It, it could stay as we know it in terms of the way that the, the, the actual tournament is run, um, in terms of, uh, you mean, having the replays. And um, it also could stay the same with Fox continuing to have the coverage. But uh, right now, everything's open. So we shall see what, what happens uh, in the coming, coming weeks or coming months. Yeah, and... Uh Moving on to our next news item, uh, DirecTV Now, which we've talked about the last few weeks on the show, it's set for a launch of November 28th, which is uh, less than a week from our recording time. It's, it's next Monday. Uh, however, and most, and uh, first off, let's give you the good news. Uh, most of the programs uh, on DirecTV launch will be available for replay within a 72-hour window after uh, the broadcast. So it will work like an on-demand streaming service, which is what it's meant to be. However, for ESPN... <laughs> And this is a big caveat. ESPN always plays by their own rules, and they get higher carriage fees and all this sorts of stuff. Uh, only live programming is available, and that's going to be very inconvenient for people who are used to streaming things but streaming at their convenience. Now, you can still use the Watch ESPN app, which if you have DirecTV credentials, you'll be able to log into to get on-demand uh, games. I have to say, though, I've had some issues with Watch ESPN with – live broadcast of Major League Soccer games, Major League Soccer playoff games, and uh, the final two weeks of the regular season when they did the uh, – when they, they were – all the start times were, were at the same kickoff time. I had some real issues with uh, logging in to watch ESPN and watching those games, which were live on ESPN channels. Yet, when if I wanted to flip to something else, like an NASL game, which was just an ESPN3 broadcast, or uh, a, a game from uh, another, uh, another soccer league that was just an ESPN3 broadcast, I was let in without any problems. So there were there were still some kicks in the in the watch ESPN um, uh, universe. It's not quite as uh, as user friendly as uh, NBC Sports Live Extra. It is more user friendly than Fox Sports Go, but um, there are some there are some issues with it. So um, good luck to those of you that get Directv now because I think you're going to like the product, other than maybe ESPN. And that's uh, I know that's a big bugaboo for a lot of folks. Yeah, and, and that's a kind of the, the big dirty secret, I think, about streaming in general across the board is that is none of it's perfect. So whether it's uh, PlayStation View, they've had issues with uh, streaming um, streaming not working at certain times. Uh, you, you go down the list, NBC Sports Live, uh, NBC Sports app is what it's called now. Sometimes I've had issues with that not working. Sling, same thing with that too. Um, Fox, you, you name it. <laughs> there seems to be issues, and a lot of it is technical sometimes, or somebody just forgetting to kind of uh, 
make the switch in terms of um, making sure that, that the game's available. But um, I think as it, each month goes on and it, it gets better and better and, and these issues become less and less. So um, we're still not quite there with uh, having TV be perfect in terms of its coverage, but we're getting closer and closer to it. Speaking of, of, of Sling, uh, Sling Blue has added two new channels to, uh, to its streaming service. So Sling Blue is the one that uh, offers uh, Fox, kind of all the, all the Fox channels, FS1, FS2, uh, Fox Sports Net, uh, as well as NBC SN. Well, Sling Blue has added two channels, and those are alternate channels. So it's NBC Alternate 1, uh, well, NBC SN Alternate 1, and NBC SN Alternate 2. So what those are are overflow channels. So, for example, for a typical Saturday, we're watching uh, Premier League matches at 10 o'clock in the morning. You've got your main match on NBCSN. Uh, maybe you've got what, this, a second match that's on USA or CNBC. Uh, now with uh, Sling Blue, there's going to be t uh, two of the other matches that you would normally be on, or well, still continue to be on NBC Sports app. You can now get on Sling Blue. So that just increases the amount of Premier League coverage that you can get. Uh, Sling Blue still does not give you access to uh, NBC Sports app. Um, PlayStation View does, but but uh, I think they're working towards that. But I haven't heard anything yet. But anyway, so that so in terms of Premier League fans that have Sling Blue, just additional coverage now that you'll be able to watch some matches that previously you wouldn't have been able to. So Kartik, let's move on to our next segment, which is uh, soccer TV ratings and. Uh, like I mentioned before, too, so we are recording this now on a Tuesday morning. Most of the TV ratings, actually all of the TV ratings for the, the Saturday matches uh, haven't come in yet, as well as the Sunday matches. Uh, the Saturday match, the big one was the, the well, actually there were two, right? There was the, um, the Spurs against West Ham on NBC, and then there was the Dortmund uh, Bayern Munich game on Big Fox. So we'll have to wait and see kind of what those numbers are. As we get them, uh, we'll post those on worldsoccertalk.com later this week. but So we have the numbers for Friday, and Friday often gets overlooked because it's usually uh, kind of quieter games that are on, uh, but we do have the TV ratings that have come in for uh, the Leverkusen match against Leipzig, the one I talked about before, and that was on Fox Sports 2 on Friday. The viewing number for that was 20,000, and that's, I mean, to me, that's absolutely abysmal. Uh, which is a shame too, because like Leipzig went to the top of the table with that that game, and we finally have an actual Bundesliga title race where it's open. It's not Bayern Munich running away with it, uh, but twenty thousand. Let me put that in context too. So there were a couple of other matches that played at the same time. There was shown uh, Brighton against Aston Villa was on uh, Bein Sports, the English version, English language version, that had fifteen thousand. And then we had uh, on the BN Sports and Espanol, the Spanish language uh, channel, we had uh, Real Betis against uh, Las Palmas, and that had 19,000. So at the same time, two lesser matches on BN channels almost beat uh, the, the Bundesliga game on FS2. What are your thoughts, Kartik? Well, I've always thought that if 
ESPN marketed the championship more because there's so many big clubs now in the championship. The Leeds, uh, Leeds United, the Aston Villas, the Newcastle for this season uh, only probably. But uh, those sorts of clubs, uh, even Derby Forest or some residual support, they would have better television ratings. It seems like uh, this is uh, this was a Villa game and they were going up. And there are some there is a pocket of Brighton fans in the United States also, I should mention, going up against a a Bundesliga game between two corporate clubs, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. I, it's it's surprising because uh, BN is in a lot less households than Fox Sports 2, and they're showing a second division, but they've essentially got the same rating. That's a, they're Statistically, those are the same things. Those are the same numbers. Yeah, and, and Chicharito. I mean, you got Chicharito, who, who didn't play the full match, came on, I think it was about 15 or 20 minutes to go in the game, so he played. Uh, the game wasn't shown on Fox Deportes, uh, it was played. I mean, it's a Friday afternoon. It's, um, I mean, it was like what, a two thirty Eastern kickoff. Uh, so most people are at work, but still, you would expect, especially with, even with the Chicharito uh, effect, um, that peop- that that number would be much larger. The championship, I think, is doing much better this year on being sports than it did last year. Probably helped definitely by Aston Villa, but most importantly by Newcastle United and all the supporters that they have in the U.S. But um, but generally speaking, it's just disappointing from from the Bundesliga. You would expect uh, these types of matches to do to be doing much uh, better. Uh, there's a lot of American sports journalists that have been pushing the uh, the Bundesliga pretty hard. I think kind of basically kind of in opposition to the Premier League, and it's just not doesn't seem to be that doesn't seem to be working. Uh, on the other hand, when Fox does put those Bundesliga games on Big Fox, yes, it gets big numbers, but not as big as you would expect. So. Um, I don't know. With the Bundesliga, it just, it just seems weird. It's, I don't know if it's a cultural fit or if it's just that there's too much soccer where, you I mean, it's hard for even hardcore soccer fans to watch all the major leagues. Uh, I enjoy it personally. I love watching the Bundesliga. I think it's very entertaining. Uh, the, the level of football is great. The atmosphere is wonderful. But for whatever reason, there just seems to be kind of a, a split it's just that, that it's not getting to... I mean, most American soccer fans aren't getting into it for whatever reason yeah i i look we've we've talked about this topic ad nauseum on our site over the course of the last 18 months since fox began broadcasting the bundesliga it's just not happening for them and the the ratings gap between the premier league and the bundesliga are as wide as ever uh, in this country and that's and the and the general interest in both leagues is as wide as ever now we've talked about premier league ratings going down like all soccer ratings and all sports ratings are going down uh look and i i guess i should preface this and i know you've had to in writing chris uh when i say mls ratings are stagnant or are gone down i'm excluding those fox over the air broadcasts that uh, have conveniently spiked the number for this season but that uh, they they did not have those over the air broadcasts last season so in reality the number hasn't improved so soccer broadcasts in general, the numbers are stagnant or going down um, for, for television ratings wise. But the Bundesliga never even got out of the box. So I guess there's no place right. for it to go but up. Right. Right. Uh, exactly. Looking at it. Exactly. And so far this season, uh, before this past weekend, because we don't have those those numbers yet, uh, the Bundesliga is averaging 68,000 viewers per, per game. Um and again, too, a lot of it, too, is because some of those games are on FS2, which gets a lot lo- lower uh, numbers. Um, but also that includes games that are on Big Fox, too. So kind of averaging out 68,000 is, is definitely disappointing. But uh, it, it is what it is. And we talked about this last week on last week's show, too, is that whether the U.S. men's national team 
is having a negative impact, not just on, on um, TV viewing figures for the US national team, as well as attendance numbers, but across the board from top down throughout. Um, it's harder for, I think, casual mainstream sports fans to get into soccer if the US national team is, is not playing, uh, fighting for the flag, or playing as well as, as they could, or representing the US in a positive way. And I think when the national team does well, that creates more soccer fans, and that and that drips down into into the Bundesliga, into Premier League, into MLS, into all the different types of soccer. Is that those numbers will grow as the U.S. national team does better? U.S. national team wins the World Cup. All of a sudden, overnight, you I mean there's there's millions of new soccer fans just created, but um, we're still far 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 away from that. But but I still I think it's one of those things that uh, the Klinsman sacking. Whether you agree with it or not, it's one of those things that uh, it may actually have a bit of a positive um, uh, impact in the future that may not be felt for another year or two, but um, is, is a positive step in the right direction in terms of the growth of the sport in this country. So, Kartik, let's move on to the next segment, which is our listener mailbag. And uh, I'll go ahead and read this one. It's, this is from a reader or listener named Scott from McAllen, Texas. And uh, he says that uh, one thing that I rarely uh, hear you guys mention is uh, Liga MX. Uh, it's very popular down here in Texas, especially when, when it pertains to competing with MLS. And uh, it says that uh, oftentimes uh, Liga MX is uh, easier to access to watch than MLS. I was excited last year to see a uh, 2015 uh, CONCACAF Champions League playoff uh, as all of... Uh, uh, Liga MX versus uh, Major League Soccer. Then I was disgusted to see all of the Liga MX teams beat the MLS teams. I was also disgusted to see half-filled MLS stadiums in that playoff. Um, then to see them travel uh, to a packed and rabid Liga MX stadium. It's frustrating because MLS uh, likes to look up to European leagues, yet they can't compete with uh, Liga MX. Kartik, what's, what's your thoughts on that? Yeah, first off, Scott, I hope uh, you've been attending your local team's games down in McAllen. The Rio Grande Valley uh, Club in USL had a very good season. Uh, unfortunately, defeated for them, defeated in the playoffs by Oklahoma City Energy and a bit of an upset. But uh, hopefully you're watching some local soccer there with a, with a very good USL team. But I, I agree with him on Liga MX. I mean, I think uh, the television ratings speak for itself. The quality of the league speaks for itself. I think that there is some... Um, there's some disconnect within English language audiences and that uh, that specific uh, 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 league. But, you know, as you look at how things are evolving, um, more and more American fans are paying attention to Liga MX because of the number of Americans down there and also just a greater awareness of CONCACAF and what MLS faces within CONCACAF. And MLS has not been able to beat Liga MX teams at the knockout stage of uh, the CONCACAF Champions League which remains a big problem and a big uh, sore point with a lot of fans of the league and a lot of proponents of the league that they can't get overcome this hurdle. So, yeah, I agree. I agree with this comment. Yeah, and also also to note too that this week, uh, Wednesday and Thursday, the uh, Liga MX um, quarterfinal playoffs for the Apertura. So we got uh, actually, I think Chivas is playing Club America. I mean, there's some big games going on. So, and that's the other thing about Liga MX is, is it is more accessible. I mean, it's on most of the games are on Univision or Univision Deportes, uh, as well as Telemundo, NBC Universo. Uh, but in terms of accessing those matches, uh, the numbers reflect that too. I mean, there's definitely a ton of people 
they're interested in Liga MX and they're not all Mexican Americans. There's a lot of, uh, I mean, a lot of different ethnicities that watch watch it because it's an, an entertaining league. But um, yeah, as news comes along, we'll be sure to share that uh, Liga MX uh, news on this show. So, Kartik, the the last segment of the the, uh, the show this week is our feature topic, and that is how well or how not so well the leading sports net- networks uh, responded to the breaking soccer news about uh, Jurgen Klinsmann uh, getting fired. And and really, this is kind of one of the biggest soccer stories that have happened uh, in the United States, arguably since 2014 World Cup. Uh, it's a huge, huge story. And uh, maybe let's go through kind of just personally speaking in terms of um, how, he, how you heard about the news and um, what you found when you kind of searched around the, the TV channels um, when the news was announced to, to see what, what, what you found? Well, I was in the Fort Lauderdale Strikers office and we were about to have a staff meeting about some serious uh, ownership issues with the club. And um, about 3.15 Eastern, one of uh, uh, the staff members screamed, Jurgen Klinsmann's been sacked. And I thought, well, it, everything is speculative right now. And when, sure enough, my phone started beeping uh, with uh, uh, breaking news alerts and uh, text messages he had been sacked. So the instant reaction was, while we're gathering for the staff meeting, get the television on, flip, and try and get some coverage of, uh, of the sacking. And instead, you turn on ESPN, they're talking about football, uh, college football in the NFL or something like that. And Fox, same thing. Fox Sports 1. NBC is in the middle of the first half of the Burnley-West Brom game, which gave them a bit of an advantage to talk about it at halftime. Uh, but uh, BN is showing a taped, uh, taped uh, Serie A game. Uh, Univision Deportes was showing something else. It, there was no breaking news mechanism. So then you just revert back to Twitter. And then you wait for maybe tape segments on uh, foxsoccer.com and ESPNFC.com. ESPNFC doing a much better job. And eventually you saw uh, Taylor Twellman, Doug McIntyre, Jeff Carlisle, uh, Casey Keller, uh, uh, Shaka Hislop, who's been a vicious critic of Klinsman for a long time now and uh, seemed to be doing a victory lap. Shaka and uh, Craig Burley doing uh doing their thing but that, that took some hours right it didn't happen yeah. right away we'd expect to see uh espn in the studio right away dan thomas uh in special report bringing in twelman via satellite from montreal sitting with shaka uh shaka's critiques of, of klinsman all of which seem to mirror my critiques of klinsman um I, I generally agree with shaka hislop on most things and certainly we have on klinsman but shaka giving the case why this in his mind was overdue and should have happened a year or 18 months ago craig burley giving his his account we should have been seeing that at 3.30. Instead, we saw it at 5.30, 5, 5.30, whenever it came on. Yeah, and that's the thing, though, too. In many times, in many ways, we kind of talk about how far soccer has come in, in this you know, United States, in this country, uh, in terms of all the coverage that we get you know, across all the networks and streaming, et cetera, and you, you name it. But in many ways, this story kind of gave us a good example of how, how far we've, we've got to go. And, and really, if you think about it, if this was, I don't know, and, and again, I don't know much about uh, NFL, I don't watch it that closely, but if this was a major, one of the major coaches that got fired, maybe the Cowboys coach or something like that, you could guarantee that on every single sports network, they'd be breaking into the coverage to have kind of a, you mean, a live reporter or at least a ticker across the bottom breaking news. This would be major, major news. This is the U.S. national team. And it was it was almost invisible. So so I, I heard about it. Well, actually, was, I was watching the West Brom Burnley game on NBCSN, 
and uh, had my laptop with me, just kind of watching that at the same time too. And then I popped an email from uh, from US Soccer uh, announcing that Klinsman had been fired. Um, and in that first half on NBCSN, they didn't have any ticker on the bottom, so you had to wait till the end of that of that first half. And as soon as it ended, they came on and said, "Hey, Klinsman's been fired." And we'll have some analysis and coverage of that at halftime. Luckily for NBCSN, Carl Martino was um, was the uh, one of the analysts, and he did a great job in terms of kind of sharing his thoughts and his opinions about about the news. But so I flipped I, at the same time. I had all the other channels on FS1 had uh, undisputed a rerun of that, and I was expect. I know they're talking about NFL, but I was expecting them to at least have a ticker across the bottom: breaking news, Klinsman's been been sacked. Uh, but nothing. And then right after that, I think they had um, Speak for Yourself. And I wasn't able to tell if that was a rerun or if that was live. But again, nothing about Klinsman, nothing at all. So for FS1, Fox Sports <laughs> 1, I mean, to me, it's, it's, is it really a sports network? Yes, it is, of course, because it carries the major sports and focuses in on NFL and basketball, etc. But it, it, essentially, the Klinsman news is basically uh, extinct from Fox Sports 1. Now, today, Tuesday, we're going to have, I'm sure, on the Champions League coverage, probably most of the Champions League coverage is going to be focused on Klinsman and what this means for U.S. soccer and uh, Bruce Arena, and probably very little, actually, pre-game coverage about the Champions League, which is what this was supposed to be covering. Uh, but it is a big story, so I completely understand. But from FS1's perspective... It was invisible. ESPN, same thing too. ESPN at least had a, a, a ticker on the crawl on the bottom of the screen, kind of talking about uh, breaking news, Clinton's been fired, as they went on to talk about NFL and all sorts of other things. And you're, and you're right, you're right, Kartik, with them being sports too, they had reruns of uh, Serie, A, Serie A matches and League, League One matches. Uh, I'm sure later on, Monday nights, they would have had their, their, the extra show or the locker room, and, and that they would have uh, at least uh, discussed the topic. But overall, I was I was just really kind of thinking to myself, I'm like, major news, and I mean, it, it's luck. I mean, luckily for NBCSN, timing-wise, it was good for them. But otherwise, this this news would have been completely invisible until unless you were a hardcore soccer fan on social media or on websites. Uh, it's just crazy. Yeah, I, I, one thing I will I will concede on this is that ESPN did understand the gravity of the news, and they had these regularly scheduled football programs. Now I, I'm disappointed they didn't break in and go right to the studio and have Dan Thomas ready with Shaka and, and Craig Burley and, and Taylor Coleman and whoever else, but um, and Jeff Carlisle and Doug McIntyre who reported on this national team, and they did have them for the ESPN FC show, both those guys, um, and for clips on on the website, but um, they did have it big in red in bold letters on the corner in the left-hand corner of the screen at the top while this fo- this uh, American football program was on Jurgen Klinsmann sacked or fired as a US men's national team manager and uh, the the breaking you know breaking news on the bottom with their crawl Jurgen Klinsmann sacked so they at least acknowledged it had happened and that it was a, a major story Fox didn't even do that uh, but I, I think the ratings for Fox Sports 1 haven't been very, very good in general. They've been disappointing. The network is now three and a half years old. And we know they've gone to a lot of tape programs and just uh, cheap production programs during the day. And I, given the, um, given the economics of, of what's happening in the cable business uh, and 
Fox Sports 1's own struggles and Fox Sports 2's even greater struggles, I can understand why they didn't have Rob Stone or uh, Eric Ronaldo or somebody ready to, to, to discuss this or Alexi Lalas. Uh, their perspective would have been, um, uh, Winaldo's in particular, is not a, a great fan of Klinsman either, yeah. uh, would, would have been very good, but um, un- unfortunately, no, they weren't ready, any of these networks, to do it, and I guess Kyle Martino got the spotlight because he happened to be on in the studio yep. uh, for this game. They rotate, and there's a uh, 33.3% chance Martino wouldn't have been there because they rotate those, <laughs> those three guys, right? Right, right. And actually in Fox's defense too, so most of that crew, the soccer crew that they have in terms of the analysts that they have were uh, on routes to... Um, to uh, Seattle, I, be- I believe, for the, the MLS coverage of tonight's game. So, yeah, they've got they've got that game, and uh, ESPN has the Montreal Toronto game, which is why uh, Twelman and Doug McIntyre were both in Montreal. Yeah, uh, already. And they were able to talk to them there. Casey Keller was in Seattle. Casey Keller, by the way, uh, uh, seems to at least on the relative scale have been a Klinsman defender based on his comments yesterday. Um, as usual, Shaka Hislop was the le- leader of the drumbeat against Klinsman. But uh, I was surprised. Craig Burley, who used to defend Klinsman, basically said, hey, these uh, these last few results, I mean, <laughs> you know, those results weren't good enough. You get sacked right. when you have results like that. And he, he wasn't defending them at all. Uh, but uh, it would have been good to have that coverage immediately. And so what ended up happening is we ended up waiting. And I think there was um, – more reaction on Twitter than you would normally have. This is great for Twitter, though. Mm-hmm. It drives the conversation because people are frustrated. They can't get the immediate snap reaction. It seems like some journalists have their articles written already, yeah. uh, uh, namely um, na- uh, namely Sam Borden, who had gotten a scoop the previous day from talking to Klinsman, and uh, our old colleague at World Soccer Talk, Ryan Rosenblatt, he, he had a... Uh, um, uh, article that seemed like prepackaged for Fox Soccer, but other than that, I, it wasn't a whole lot of um, um, there wasn't a whole lot of even newspaper uh, newspaper style or, or uh, web news type stories that came out on it, other than just a breaking news crawl and the uh, Twitter reaction for an hour or two, and that's right. uh, that's not the way the world works now, is it? Right. Generally. Exactly. And as a whole, it's disappointing because it just gives a perfect example of how much of a, of a hole there is in, in terms of uh, soccer news coverage. Yes, ESPN uh, has ESPN FC every night, which is, which is great. I mean, that's a great way to kind of uh, discuss the topics um, and, you mean, have analysts on, etc. Then you have BN Sports, which has the extra and has the, have their nightly shows. Again, another great way to kind of uh, bring uh, viewers up to, up, to, up to date on what's happening within the soccer world. But the two big ones, Fox, well, actually Fox and, and NBCSN have no daily soccer show. So the only way that they really can talk about soccer is by kind of just kind of including it in their just their regular soccer coverage and just trying to you mean, uh, merge it all together. NBCSN was ex- extremely lucky because if this news had broken after the, the West Brom-Burnley match, the next time that NBCSN probably would have covered this news would have been Saturday, five days later. Uh, luckily for them, it happened it's right in the first half. That's, that's another issue, I think, from the NBCSN side is that, um, yes, they would have the online coverage on the digital side, on their app and the website, but on the TV perspective, um, they're lightweight, extremely lightweight on soccer news coverage, um, as, as is Fox. I mean, Fox has had 
how many different versions of different uh, soccer news shows. Um, some of them we loved going back into the Fox Soccer Channel, and it just kind of uh, went, kind of had like two or three different versions. And now where where we are today, which is basically the Champions League show becomes their kind of uh, their weekly soccer news show rather than a daily. Um, yeah, and then I guess at the end of the day, it comes down to ratings. It comes down to, I mean, if you have a daily soccer show, is that generating the, the viewers that uh, you need uh, to basically be able to pay the bills and get your sponsors? Um, I, guess, I guess the other thing, Kartik, too, is it's just one more thing about this, is that like, the last time a big story like this happened really was kind of the FIFA scandal, kind of all, all the cor- corruption and all the, the DOJ um, findings and arrests, etc., and that was a perfect example of, at that time, uh, ESPN's uh, news-gathering organization, investigative uh, journalists, news reporters, that they could lean on and, and have these, these folks come on air and be on, the, on air for hours versus Fox, which really had, had no one. I mean, other than maybe Rob Stone, you'd have him, have him come on and read from the teleprompter. Um, and I think today it's even worse than that, too. I mean, you look at Fox and you kind of say, okay, well... Maybe Rachel Bonetta was available, but she's definitely not your hard-hitting news person. Um, you know I mean, definitely she's more kind of your fun and kind of um, kind of millennial type of person that's going to do some some videos. Uh, they're going to be laughing, like the joke videos. But she's not your hard-hitting, serious uh, news person. ESPN has that, but for whatever reason, they didn't pull those those, those people in um, yesterday for, for for that news coverage. Yeah, that's a that's a good comparison. The, the when the FIFA uh, sting was announced in May of 2015, uh, ESPN almost immediately had the ability to really um, to do a good job with that, and, and the ability to uh, to spend hours on air with Bob Lee and Jeremy Schapp, both of whom were about as knowledgeable about the inner workings and nuances of FIFA as any journalists around the globe, save a couple of investigative journalists in, in the UK, right? Newspaper journalists. So uh, as far as television journalists, uh, I think uh, Jeremy Schapp uh, has no equal in, in terms of his knowledge of what had gone on in FIFA, even when you compare him to journalists in, at, at ITV and BBC and Sky Sports, Sky News in the UK. So they were uniquely equipped to deal with that. Uh, this go-around, though, I guess... What we found is so many of the people who cover the U.S. men's national team are not and, and cover it from a uh, a beat perspective and an everyday kind of thought pro- process perspective are Internet journalists. They're not t- television journalists. I think, uh, as I mentioned, Alexi Lalas, Eric Winalda, Taylor Twellman, they're all former U.S. national team players. They all have some sort of uh, insight to give Twellman, as I've said repeatedly on this show and uh, in print, it, to me is far and away the best uh, commentator of the game in the United States, best American voice. So he, he, he will always add more perspective than, than the other guys I mentioned. Uh, and that's no that's no shot at them. It's just they're not they're not Taylor Twelman. He's, right. he's the best in the business. But um, they still don't cover the national team to the to the extent that some of these other figures do. So I was glad ESPN worked McIntyre and Carlisle in yesterday. I thought that was good. Uh, what Fox needed to do was work in the people that they have uh, with FoxSoccer.com, wow. which has recently got 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 re gone through a. Uh, uh, reboot uh, Ryan Rosenblatt, Caitlin Murray, others, and have them on 
delivering this breaking news. But they didn't do that. And NBC uh, has a, a website where Joe Prince Wright basically reports on everything. I don't. He, he might have been equipped to discuss the Klinsman issue on air, but again, they didn't they didn't react quickly enough to get him on for the halftime of that uh, Burnley game. So that's. Um, that's a disappointment. But the, the journalists who cover the U.S. men's national team regularly, well, actually, let me take a step back. Fox does have Grant Wall, and yeah. they could have brought him on air somehow. So actually, scratch what I said about Fox. They have a guy who covers the team closely, uh, who I always think of as SI.com, but he works for Fox also. But uh, Grant Wall, Steve Goff, uh, Ives Galarsep, um, on and on and on, our friend Neil Blackman, these are people who cover the national team day in and day out as kind of a primary beat, uh, not, uh, and they cover MLS teams also, and they cover the Premier League, whatever, but that's kind of a primary beat for these guys. Michael Lewis is another guy, Big Apple Soccer. Those are the types of people you wanted uh, to enhance the coverage. Because what you see with news events and what you see with the way they cover American sports is that they get these outside, they have contractual agreements with their talent, right? And they have more talent that they retain than for soccer. But they bring on these experts about this stuff or during the election, CNN and MSNBC and Fox News bring on their panel of experts. We didn't get that kind of coverage of the Klinsman situation. We haven't gotten that kind of coverage of uh, the U.S. Women's National Team uh, CBA with 60 Minutes. We have not, uh, after the 60 Minutes feature, I doubt we'll get that kind of analysis of what Brian Gumbel is going to do tonight with HBO uh, about the U.S. Soccer Federation and Chuck Blazer. So that's disappointing. I mean, we think we're so far We've advanced so far in this country because we have so many live games on television, right? Right. And, and so we think, well, we have it better than anyone else in the world. Well, yesterday was a reminder that we don't because if, if uh, the national team – when the national team manager just got sacked in England, Sam Allardyce, wall-to-wall coverage, analysis, maybe overkill. Mm -hmm. But here, when this sort of thing happens much more uh, – much rarer fashion and as I've said and people like Chaka Hislop have said – Jurgen Klinsmann has skated by for 18 months, which is why the one of the primary points of discussion that Twelman and Hislop and McIntyre and Carlisle had on and Burley on ESPN was, why now? When, why wasn't he fired 18 months ago? Shaka, you've been saying he should have been sacked after losing to Jamaica. Why now? That became part of the, the, the discussion point. But the point is, this happens so rarely in the United States. When it happens, it's almost a bigger deal than when it happens when uh, England manager gets sacked, because that happens all the time. Right. And um, they weren't the networks just didn't react the way we had hoped they would. And it was a uh, it was a real wake up call to some of us who think that everything that we have so much coverage here and everything is so um, is, 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 is going along so well and that uh, we live in our soccer bubble, not realizing when we turn on the television, hoping to get some sort of coverage of this monument, momentous event in U.S. soccer history, recent history, mm -hmm. that we're getting subjected to some American football coverage or baseball coverage or uh, basketball coverage, some, everything but what we were looking for. Yeah, I think it's also a wake-up call to Fox because um, I would assume that Grant Wall was probably traveling, which is probably why they couldn't pull him on air and having have him come on to talk about it. Or maybe maybe he was available, but they just didn't want to kind of break into kind of the uh, the the reruns of Undisputed or Speak for Yourself, and thought, okay, let's just let's just save this for uh, for Tuesday for the Champions League coverage, and then and then bring Grant in then. But to me, it's a wake up call because I mean, Fox has the the rights to the World Cup, and in, in Russia and and in uh, Qatar, and in in Russia especially in terms of the just the amount of uh, the, the distances that be, that be travelled. You need a whole team of Grant Wall and 
grab walls in order to actually cover that uh, tournament uh, perfectly in terms of all the different things that could be happening. And Fox is not equipped for that. I mean, ESP, ESPN is. ESPN has kind of that news gathering, investigative journalism side of things, uh, while Fox does not. And grants more of kind of your celebrity type of um, some investigative, but uh, but more of a, a journalism, a ju journalist rather than kind of a investigative reporter. And um, I think that's just something that on the Fox side. I would hope that they would kind of try to look and see, okay, maybe there's, I don't know, Gab McCarty or somebody, some of those types of individuals that are more hard-hitting that, that we can kind of, whether they're American or wherever they're from, pick those up in terms of getting ready for the World Cup and making sure that there's people in place to be able to report on news as it happens, especially for TV viewers who need that kind of context. So, Kartik, I think that's a good discussion of our feature topic of the week. Uh, I want to remind uh, listeners, too, that uh, we definitely want to hear from you. So, whether you agree with us, disagree with us, uh, have any feedback uh, or comments or, or questions, questions about streaming, questions about television coverage, uh, any, everything's wide open. We definitely would love to hear from you guys and uh, to get the feedback. You can uh, reach out to us through email. Uh, our email address is web at worldsoccertalk.com. Uh, Twitter is WSoccerTalk. And uh, Facebook is facebook.com slash worldsoccertalk. You can send us a message there. And uh, Kartik, before we go, before we give, let, let you finish, any, any final thoughts or on uh, this crazy world of soccer that we, we, we enjoy? Yeah, it's just been the craziest week in U.S. soccer that I can remember with, with the U.S. women's national team, the Deloitte study on pr promotion and relegation, which we didn't get or get into, uh, the continuing controversies over who's going to get the Division II sanction, NASL or USL. Obviously, this Chuck Blazer feature uh, that uh, and USSF feature, which Brian Kumpel is going to be doing tonight, and we haven't seen it. Reminder, listeners, we haven't seen it as we record this, and I'm sure there will be lots of commentary about that. Uh, and... Most notably, Jurgen Klinsmann sacking. So I, I don't remember a week quite like this where my, even though it was the middle of the European club season and I'm engaged in the Bundesliga and the Premier League and Serie A and, and what's going on over there, that uh, I was much more focused on the U.S. scene in a long time because there was just so much going on here. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a crazy week, but actually perfect timing for uh, the World Soccer Talk podcast to kind of dive deep into these topics. So I really enjoyed the time. Thank you, Kartik. And uh, let me have you finish uh, the show. Enjoy your football. Mm -hmm.